Hi, this is Janesh. And this is Pranab. You're tuned in to the 30 Minute Hustle podcast. Thirty Minute Hustle is a community of performers with a story to tell. We believe that each individual has a distinct path towards achieving their goals and are obsessed to learn about their process. As a platform to bridge the gap between knowledge creators and seekers, we hope the journey will inspire you to accelerate your growth. Welcome to the network of knowledge, mindset, and practice. Post. Uh, uh, since you brought up uh, grad school post grad school of course we were broke i was very 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 broke and so i had to get very creative i had promised my folks that you know you you've done everything and more that you could possibly do and uh, now I, I, i'll i'll try and you know do things completely on my own like 1000% moving forward so uh, that came up with very creative solutions like uh, i uh, back then you could take a rickshaw on rent for a week and essentially everything that you made from it was yours to keep so it gave me certain skill sets that till today i utilize for instance i had to convince uh, somebody who was a tourist to get onto the rickshaw uh, with a teaser or something that i knew about the city that i could be telling them so it's things like this that uh, definitely improved my skills in terms of persuasion in terms of convincing people about an idea or about you know a topic in general and definitely it, uh, so i had insane amount of stage fright that just disappeared after i had to make money on my own hey everyone this is part 1 of our episode with anu and uh, tahir Anu and Tahir are architects and urban designers who have co-founded Triplo Studio, Triplo Pixel and Madras Inherited. They work on multidisciplinary projects and are always looking to create social impact through their designs. We also have uh, Shruti Prakash as our first guest host. Uh, super excited to have her on. Uh, she's been working on a project where they're trying to integrate mobility solutions for urban spaces in Bangalore. So we thought she'd be apt to be a host um, on this podcast. And we hope you enjoy it. Uh, do check out our YouTube channel too if you want to see some of the works that we're talking about in the podcast. Hi Tahir Anu welcome to the 30 minute hustle thanks Tahir Anu for coming and uh, yeah i mean i I'm, i'm i'm just going to hand it over to y'all and why don't y'all just like introduce yourself i know tahir i know you were my external faculty in college and <laughs> that's how i know you and we've hung out in the studio and that's how i met anu also and uh, it's been a while since we've like really hung out and spoken a lot so Yeah, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and uh, we'll pick up that. Okay, I'll get started. Uh my name is Tahir Zoeb. I'm an architect and urban designer by qualification, but that's the boring bit. I think what keeps me uh going on a day-to-day basis is just my uh say excitement for uh design and what impact design could have in general. So that's uh, uh, essentially why I go to work on a day- on a day-to-day basis. And hi, I'm Anu Anupriya Subban, and I am an architect and interior designer. And 
same i mean i think tahir and i connect on the same values about being excited to explore and uh, you know keep expanding our, our boundaries in whatever way it may be so that's why we have a uh, triple o going so happy to be here so i'm going to start at um, uh, i actually don't know how triple o started off so do, do you guys want to like uh, take a few years back upon how triple o actually started and um, and how it started and and i and i know how triple o has become a multidisciplinary firm and studio now so yeah how did triple o start well uh, so triple o actually um, i think the seed for it was planted after our uh, mandatory fourth year internship right in undergrad so we did our undergrad in uh, bangalore in different firms and then we then we realized how um, different or for the lack of a better word lacking our undergrad education is in terms of facing uh, the real world out there so so the seed was planted then so we this was a conversation that tahir and i used to have after our practical uh, training semester saying you know we should start our own firm we should do all these things and uh, and then uh, it was a very offhand conversation thing so what would we call it and then so why don't we call it on our own because we would be doing something on our own <laughs> and uh, and then so this was just an offhand conversation and then later when we actually started uh, thinking about you know uh, setting up the firm in to, which was like 3 4 years later when we you know uh, thought about what to name it we were like why don't we go back to that conversation and actually call it on our own or triple o studio and yeah so um uh, triple o has uh, i think triple o has been like i remember triple o uh, uh, being the place where i used to hang out after college <laughs> uh, and we used to come and do like competitions and and it was one of those studios where you know um it, it didn't really feel like a a studio it sort of felt like a one of my seniors pad where i could go and like just chill and and also learn a little bit and uh, was that something that you guys consciously did or was it just like both of you having that sort of like you always wanted to like uh, uh, be with juniors talk to them because uh, i i found that very interesting and i found that to be a really nice uh, environment to sort of like meet learn uh, learn about what's happening in the real world and yeah i think uh, i'm glad you clarified the learn a little bit part uh, until then i was uh, you know not sure where you were going with that uh, but yes i think it was a very very conscious uh, uh, you know uh, format and and environment that we wanted to uh, create both uh, anu and i we spoke about the kind of uh, culture that we want to foster in our space and uh, i think after both anu and i came back from new york uh, i got into uh, teaching in a big way i got into uh, academics in a big way and i just loved the uh, interaction that i was having with students and so it was just an extension of an invite saying okay you you, you like this conversation let's take this conversation back to the studio uh, and i would in fact uh, the there was this uh, nice balance between what i was doing in college and how i was able to kind of uh, translate some of those things with people like you and many others in the studio through competitions and uh, talking ideas talking you know uh, visions for the future talking about a lot of random things as well uh, but yeah that's something that we were very very conscious uh, about 
Anu, if, if you'd like something to add to that. Uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, I would, uh, you know, following up on what Thay said, it's definitely a con- conscious conversation uh, that we had when we set up the studio and also influenced by, I think, our own experiences in the workforce and also our experiences at uh, in grad school where, you know, there's we, we are very clear that from day one that we wanted a non-hierarchical uh, office. Uh, because I think, you know, when you have a good idea and you want it to be heard, we wanted that space uh, to exist. So uh, definitely from day one, this was a conscious uh, decision of us. And I mean, I'm quite happy to say that we've kept that. We'd like to think that we've kept that going for the last 10 years. That's, that's really, actually really nice to hear. And um, Tahir, like you had mentioned and Janish told me about this as well before that there was a lot of competitions that you all took part in. And yes. that's something I wanted to understand a little bit more about, like how did these competitions translate into projects and how did that sort of a collaborative environment also help build Triple O Studio? I think uh, it goes unsaid that uh, competitions to a great extent laid a foundation for a lot of our uh, work and, you know, uh, I think one of the reasons, if I can be, uh, well, uh, without, uh, if I can be brutally honest here is we didn't have any other work. We didn't have any other projects. Like they were not like dropping from the sky. So we we're like, okay, what do, you know, what does a small group of people like this uh, do at a time like, uh, you, you know, when we don't have any other projects and competitions was uh, a great way to kind of keep us engaged, keep us excited and truly to actually learn. We spent a lot of time researching. We spent a lot of time understanding other contexts, other cultures, because a lot of these competitions were not necessarily national. So, uh, and this was when uh, softwares like even Google Earth were just coming out for the first time. So, uh, so we spent a lot of time, uh, uh, you know, roaming the streets of other spaces through uh, software like Google Earth. And it was very, very uh, exciting. And uh, these competitions are very diverse, it ranged from something that was a small residence to something that was a really large urban project. And one of the reasons we consciously did this was it really helped us evolve I think our own skill set, it uh, brought a lot of people together, it brought a diverse set of people together, such as Janesh itself. Like Janesh, yeah. <laughs> like Janesh, for example. So uh, that aspect of it was also very exciting because we understood how to work with different teams, uh, you know, how to kind of create content. And I think to a great extent, grad school helped us understand where the bar was at. So we kind of knew what would make for a competition that stood a chance. And, uh, you know, that could do well. Uh, and so I think that up all our, you, you know, it, it upped our game collectively. And I think for us, that was very uh, exciting. And uh, it's still something that we are always thinking about. And any opportunity to uh, work on a competition, we, we still, till today, continue to grab it. I can see that referring a lot to grad school. So uh, it it shows a huge sort of influence that uh, you and Anu, I mean, grad school has has had on you and Anu. Um, Do you want to tell us like some interesting experiences from grad school? And uh, something when I was doing research, which you never told me was all these like uh, tour guide, site worker and all that. (laughs) Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do our research. Don't worry. (laughs) Well, that is also what happens when you're a poor grad student in New York City. <laughs> you have to figure out ways to make ends meet. Okay, yeah, so, so 
I'll start and then I'd like Anu to decide whether she wants to touch on something else. Uh, uh, I think, firstly, we were both very blessed to be in a city like New York. Uh, it's a great place to study. It's a great place to study any format of design, especially interior design, especially urban design. So I think we were at the right place uh, in that sense. Uh, and the, the, the city taught us so much. The experiences by just engaging with so many people from these diverse cultures was just amazing and unbelievable and I don't know, I can't say with certainty whether that's the kind of experience you'd get with other grad schools maybe across the state but New York City itself and studying right in the heart of the city was very special and uh, well post, uh, uh, since you brought up uh, grad school, post grad school of course we were broke, I was very 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 broke and so I had to get very creative, I had promised my folks that you know, you, you've done everything and more that you could possibly do. And uh, now I, I, I'll, I'll try and, you know, do things completely on my own, like 1000% moving forward. So uh, that came up with very creative solutions. Like uh, I uh, back then you could take a rickshaw on rent for a week and essentially everything that you made from it was yours to keep. So it gave me certain skill sets that till today I utilize. For instance, I had to convince uh, somebody who was a tourist to get onto the rickshaw uh, with a teaser or something that I knew about the city that I could be telling them. So it's things like this that uh, definitely improved my skills in terms of persuasion, in terms of convincing people about an idea or about, you know, a topic in general. And definitely, it, uh, so I had insane amount of stage fright that just disappeared after I had to make money on my own. <laughs> uh, I, I think that was one, and then um, I, I worked as a uh, I worked on a site construction site. I was fortunate to have a landlord who would take these random uh, interior contracting projects, and so I was officially unskilled labor at a uh, uh, at one of these sites. It was one of the best jobs till today that I've ever had. Uh, firstly, I was ripped by the end of it. So uh, <laughs> th thanks to thanks to the job. Have you, have you got Have you got photos of that? Uh, <laughs> I know, Janesh, you're finding this hard to believe. You need photographic evidence. I understand <laughs> where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, on, a, on a serious note, so I had very interesting work in that interior contracting uh, job itself. Like uh, they called me the Sandman. So my job was nothing but to sand all the walls once the putty was applied. And my job was to demolish what was originally there. And it was quite interesting. We had a wrought iron tub to demolish. It took two of us four days to do that. Uh, wow. One tub made of wrought iron from the 1920s, I'm assuming. So it was just, I mean, these are just tidbits of experiences that we've had that I could never have fathomed that I would have had been in New York. And uh, Anu has had experiences of her own. So I'll figure out how she wants to tell you that. <laughs> Go for it, Anu. Yeah, so uh, so for me, I think, uh, and I'm sure for Tahir as well, uh, grad school, I think, was one of the first uh, places where you really um, learned about the power of an idea being heard. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and encouraged and developed and all of those things. Because, I mean, no offense to our... Uh, education system here but i'm sure uh, janish you also know how it works in the in our crits and reviews uh, in 
college like if you give them an outlandish idea whatever like you know they expect you to follow a template like what is possible what is doable what is the fsi like you're very uh, constrained by what your teacher thinks you should be doing right exactly like yeah so for me i think uh, personally grad school had such a profound uh, influence on how we were going to take our um, you know career thinking forward because you know you have an idea they are willing to work with you your staff and then finding you people to help you develop that idea like that i think the template for our collaborative approach to design and you know no one's idea is a weak idea like no idea is a bad idea all of that kind of uh, those seeds i think were planted for me personally in grad school and we've kind of tried to follow that through our uh, own practice as well and of course uh, i mean itahir has said enough and more about the wonder that is new york in terms of a, yeah. an experience be it an in, as an interior designer or an architect or just a lay person walking around uh, and experiencing new york and yeah as a grad student even i've been a receptionist in my uh, college and <laughs> been a ta and done all of those things to make ends meet but yeah definitely i think we b- bring up grad school a lot in our uh, discussions because it laid the foundation for how we wanted to approach design and how we wanted uh, to approach multiple people pitching into uh, finding one solution and things like that i and actually prior to joining uh, yeah. school itself grad school itself we knew we wanted to set up triplo mm-hmm. so essentially yeah. every experience that we were having post that was only fueling what we wanted to do so that was i, I think uh, why it became even more impactful i was going to just say uh, that uh, <clears throat> probably one of the reasons why uh, you attracted so many uh, juniors into your studio <laughs> uh, was because you i remember you also like being uh, and and this is something that you said right now is no and anu also said it is that no idea is a bad idea right so um, sometimes your place used to be the uh, uh, the place where we used to come and like come and like talk about how our ideas were just like shot down and then you should be why why can why can that be and that used to be so refreshing you know and yeah. uh, coming back to uh, both of your experiences i think like um i think as as uh, as any sort of professionals i think if we sort of do uh, some of these offbeat sort of experiences i think those um uh, teaches a lot in the long run which we don't realize at that point of time like just as mundane work like just probably sanding uh, could have yeah. actually taught you so much about something absolutely that, yeah, that you would have sort of learned and and would have been imbibed that you would have never sort of put yourself through if you thought of just a, just as yourself as an architect and you had that sort of ego of saying that yeah. no i'm not going to do this and uh, being in a city like new york um, uh, sort of uh, sort of pushes you uh, out of your comfort zone and that's probably what a lot of us architects and a lot of us like young people at least the, the people who we get, uh, who we ha- who has have the same wavelength sort of like love being in that little bit of an uncomfortable situation where it sort of pushes you to sort of do these uh, do these really offbeat things or uh, which teaches you life lessons or or things that you take back after that yeah yeah uh, absolutely 100 yeah. you hit the nail on the head yeah. yeah 
it's it's actually really nice because it's hard for me to even hear this happening on ground right like you've brought back so much from grad school which you're actually applying to your work today so that's really nice to hear and like on that i want to know like how has it shaped how has triple o's shaped in these last few years from the time that you came back from grad school started the company how has the progress been growth been of the company itself yeah uh, so yeah like uh, i think janesh mentioned there was this honeymoon period with a lot of this competitions and stuff uh, that were happening and that to a great extent uh, uh, um, in in the most humble way i say this it really put us on the map uh as far as uh, studios that were doing some interesting work in the city uh, go and i think that itself was a great foundation and there was this uh, other exciting and interesting thing that happened as soon as we came back which uh, i could have never imagined which is that the the government uh, the the chennai corporation for that matters had its doors open towards architects and urban designers to say hey come if you have ideas for the city we're all ears for me at that point in time i was fresh off the boat literally uh, and to uh, suddenly on the next day be sitting in one gigantic conference room with 40 50 people and the commissioner is there and uh, you know suggesting uh, ideas and you know things that we could do uh, together as a collective for the benefit of the city was an amazing feeling and i think uh, and not that- to forget you are not yet hardened by the system you were still fresh and like yeah. i can also create change kind of thing <laughs> yeah Very fresh helpful. solution yeah. Uh, there are a lot of you know words that are coming to my mind right now but uh, the thing is yeah we figured out how to uh, work with the system and i think uh, it it took us a little bit of time to really get there but over the last i think 5 years a lot has happened with uh, you know the many things that we are trying to do uh, uh, and i think uh, one point in time that again shook us to our core was the floods that happened in the city i think post that we were questioning so many things about what uh, our profession itself is doing uh, yeah. what we could be doing and i think that gave birth to a lot of other uh, initiatives that we have in our studio and uh, i think uh, so far all of this is going very well and we were constantly looking for side hustles i saw that as uh, something that you were keen to ask us about and uh, you, yeah for us we're constantly thinking about what else we could be doing to make <coughs> impact i think for us the key word here is impact we don't necessarily have a style we're not necessarily working in a particular say silo uh, honestly i would wake up any day and i'm open to any type of project as long as we align on something so yeah. it's not about budget it's not about you know the typology only it's not about x y z we need to align on something and if that's the case we are happy to you know see where where design can take it yeah actually it's really nice to hear because when i was reading about the two of you as well i saw a couple of projects which were driven by social needs i saw some on say public infrastructure affordable housing and all of that so when i was thinking about it one of like the key points that came to me like what you said is that like there are a lot of stakeholders outside who are very integral in the process of like development of a solution itself so there is say government bodies uh, advocacy bodies and so on so how do you all uh, either address it or tackle it like how has that um, mindset also adapted when there are so many external stakeholders involved in your product or solution success yeah 
Okay, so uh, the truth is, I uh, well, I'm going to use this word. I'm, I polemify about this a lot. Uh, uh, you know, a, a lot, but, a lot, but still, lot. but still, you you held on to it. So that's perseverance, <laughs> I would yeah. say. No, I think that is the belief in the impact that it can create if it goes yeah. through at some point. Yeah. So I think this, this goes back to that point, Shruti, about aligning on something. You know, yeah. so I, I, so even when it comes to say working with uh, government bodies, or you know, there there is bureaucracy, there is red tape, there is all of these di- different layers that one has to negotiate to essentially see something through. And even if, say, the design on paper works, uh, sometimes on site it's a whole other story altogether. So yeah. you know what what I what we would have spent say years convincing people on paper may have failed purely because of how that translated uh, onto, you, you know, uh, in, into the built environment. So it's really about a, a lot has to do with negotiation. A lot has to do about being just patient and understanding how the system works and understanding how to dance around the system. That's literally sometimes what uh, what we're up to, you know, we're literally doing this little ballet dance around and I would go further to say a lot also has to do with uh, growing a thick skin and uh, shedding your ego because uh, because you know you may be the boss in your office but then when you're in an environment with multiple stakeholders and multiple people who so you have to let go of your ego and kind of uh, you know take uh, things that have been thrown unfairly at you with the same uh, thick skin as something that's going well for you. So you you have to shed your ego to kind of uh, be able to, you know, work with people at different levels. I think the, that that was a big learning for us as well. One example that I remember, Anu, was uh, uh, very vaguely, I remember now that you're telling me about this, about this polymbifying of, uh, of uh, Tahir also. <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry for anyone who doesn't understand polymifying. Polymifying is like complaining and like always whining. Whining. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember uh, Tahir telling me about how he was working on this pavement design. Uh, this was when I was in college and, and how he had given a proposal and nothing really what he proposed like got executed and he was so disappointed. I think this has happened a couple of times, right? Yeah. Yeah, honestly, this uh, I think this is the story of almost any architect, urban designer, interior designer, because this is uh, a story of, you know, all our lives in a sense, because uh, we may have the biggest aspirations and, you know, everything uh, as an idea may sound absolutely perfect, but then for whatever reason, and and, and the, the reasons are plenty, you know, maybe the contractor is not great, or maybe they didn't understand uh, what was designed, or, you know, maybe there were other constraints in a public space especially there are way more constraints you know there, everyone has a say and uh, which is fair and so that also influences uh, so many things so uh, yeah that's something that has kept happening continuously so what we have now uh, very consciously understood is uh, what are the small wins that we can take from exactly. you know all of these projects because we can't sit and you, you know just like scratch our heads over uh, us achieving this utopian vision of everything going perfectly. So it's about small wins. We've we've understood that very clearly, especially with urban projects. I think with architecture and interior projects, uh, to a great extent, there's a little bit more control. There's a little bit more. But with urban projects, I don't think the control is as much. 
Uh, and so it's about these small wins now. We've I, I think that's that's down. super important. Uh, I think that's super important also because there are so many uh, of us architects who who go to go uh, go are very interested in urban design. Uh, we go study. Uh, we come back and we get dejected about the fact that that we can't execute whatever that we that we've thought of as a utopian solution, right? And and yeah. that comes to the point of like very few people like what you have done. You have also worked with other studios in uh, Chennai uh, when you started off also, and then um, probably you've also learned a bit from them and and whatnot. But it's very important that what you're saying is that you you can't, especially when you come to a uh, in a context like India, uh, where there are so many people involved, there's so much of money involved, there's a lot of corruption for sure that is involved. And whatever that you want to get executed as an urban design uh, is is not going to even be like, I, I haven't seen anything that has been even 70% close to what someone has proposed. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, but even like you said, even if it's 15-20% when you started off, that you saw it as a win. And I think that is what has grown you into uh, sort of uh, building this relationship with the government people. And over time is your wins are getting bigger, right? That's what I see. That's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think so. Yes, definitely. <laughs> over, uh, uh, one is about wins getting bigger. The other though, to be fair to uh, the government itself is that Nobody still understands what an urban designer uh, is or, you know, what we do as a profession itself. I mean, uh, it's a skewed understanding. It's a misplaced understanding. And also the profession on uh, on a relative scale is very new. Uh, You know, uh, it's very urgent. That's different. But the profession itself is very new. So uh, everyone's kind of grappling around how to engage with people like us. You know, yeah. what exactly will we do? For the longest time, everyone thought that the only thing we did was just improve roads. Yeah. But it's urban design is much, much, much more than that, uh, you know. Uh, so I think that's now slowly changing. It's been 10 years and I can say that I can slowly see a change. People do see uh, some value in consulting with us when they're talking about big projects and their impact on cities and so on. So it's gone beyond road beautification so that's the good news and also uh, one thing we've learned again uh, through the struggles of the decade is that there are models that can work so some of our most successful projects and I attribute success to basically how it was on paper and how it was realized and of course how it is being used uh, at this very point in time some of our most successful projects had nothing to do with the government you know, it was a completely, it was a public, private public partnership model that somehow worked. And so from my perspective, we, we bypassed the, the people that we would normally struggle uh, to negotiate with. And, uh, you know, uh, that helped enable that project work out a lot better. So all of these are discoveries also that we're making. So now we're pushing for such uh, projects to happen much more rather than, you know, the government taking the onus. The government is also realizing that they can't do anything and everything. So it may make sense to change the way in which we work. So all this is also happening. And this is all relatively recent. Yeah. And, and that is what you're saying is, 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 uh, is so true because right now, the fact that I have Shruti uh, who's working in Bosch and they are also working on like mobility is, is something that is recently only has started working. Right. And there are so many people from different 
different backgrounds and different uh, professions and different uh, fields coming and and thinking about it um so yeah i mean i think it's it's that, it's that a, puts people like shruti and me and anu yeah. and, and you in a in a tough position because uh, in a in, let's take uh, the uh, place where shruti is working out of like the city is bursting at its seams and uh, you you've been asked to dive in and come up with a solution yeah one would yeah. think it's a little too late uh, you know so that's that's one way to think about it but that also i think in a sense gives us a lot of opportunity yeah. for making these uh, you, you know small changes but then that scaling up and in a sense if i can simplify that is the way we think period small changes that can scale up awesome um so i'm going to sort of also branch out a little bit into your uh, um other ventures um uh i i i i don't know how this was also born out but but i i find i have i have really enjoyed how madras inherited has grown um uh, on its own also and how it has sta- it had started uh, so was this uh, also sort of like a uh, a way to also talk about urban design uh, at the same time talk about culture and heritage i know that uh, you also uh, do value heritage a lot and you have also written a book about uh, siddhpur um, and how that is uh, and how the culture is still trying to be preserved i don't know much about siddhpur i haven't read the book but how did madras inherited come to be and was it uh, sort of something that was growing parallelly or was it something that you felt that was just a, a whole a holistic environment so madras inherited happened uh, well I, i i could have never imagined it Uh, you know at all because this was not something that we were writing on a whiteboard and then ideating and uh, making into something it actually started off uh, with a casual uh, call by a journalist friend who said uh, you know we would like you know a little bit about architecture and you seem to be fond of uh, heritage would you like us would you do a heritage walk for us as part of the mylapur festival so that firstly gave us an opportunity to research uh, mylapur a little bit much more than uh, you know taking a deep dive basically and uh, it was fascinating the discoveries that we made i i thought i knew mylapur before that i realized i didn't know anything uh, on an, uh, and uh, more than how much you know more than the book learning the idea of engaging and actually going around those streets was a great experience so we did this first walk and there was a huge turnout i was thrilled uh 3 months later uh i was asked to do another walk and we said okay sure we'll be happy to and we did this walk and the same places that i would stop to talk about say an architectural feature say hey look at the you know the eaves on on the uh, you, know, you know on the rooftop or like look at those tiles blah 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 there's a story behind it three or four of those houses were no longer existent it was not that they were being demolished they were gone it was like pressing a delete button on you know uh, you know the keypad and we realized that this started happening uh you know at a pace that was so shocking that it really completely uh, made us say listen look all of this is going to disappear completely we need to do something about this and so the first step for us was about telling the story of this amazing architecture of these amazing places not just in mylapur but all over the city 
So we started as an initiative called Houses of Mailapur, where our focus, as the name suggests, was on these houses because see public buildings get their fair share of attention they get their fair share of uh, you know recognition and to some extent they're maintained a little bit better but that's not the case for a lot of these houses and you can see from the photos they're gorgeous they're beautiful and all of them have stories and have uh, elements that are inspired by a layered set of uh, you know influences which is for me the most fascinating you'll see uh, such a diverse set of influences that within one single house and so we scaled up we went from house of mailapur we started then looking at other parts of the city we looked at triplicate in georgetown now we have almost 16 walks that we do across uh, the city under the brand madras in inherited and uh, anu is going to tell you much more about the other things that we do under madras inherited uh no so i mean so from what tyre said it was the idea was more out of uh, was born out of seeing actual change and how um, horrified we were about our lack of um, you know um, empathy or uh, needing to preserve or document our heritage so that's how houses of mailapur uh, started and then we expanded that need to tell these stories and preserve and document our heritage to other areas across the city so mi initially uh, started and house of mailapur started as two um, verticals as in we would document these houses and map what what was happening and then take people on heritage walks to tell these stories if the owners allowed it we would take them into the house and of course your bigger um, celebrated buildings if we could get the permission we could go in and uh, talk about it and one more thing that we really wanted to highlight was the before after scenario of these houses because we wanted the reason for the documentation and talking about these houses was to highlight how fast and how quickly we are losing our heritage so of course change is inevitable but the least we can do is at least you know preserve it in some form like uh, maintain the memory of it so that would be interesting because people who would even come on repeat heritage walks like say they did a walk in mailapur like 3 months back and then they come back 3 months later they'd be like hey there was a house here or there was a building here yeah. what mm. happened to it like you you're actually seeing it live right or how mm. uh, heritage and our build structure keeps changing so definitely that was one of the biggest focus uh, areas for us and then of course besides that we are trying to get into other areas as well so we're trying to bring in i mean if you've seen our instagram page we're trying to uh, celebrate other aspects of our culture and heritage as well be it food sound sights whatever it is and interesting trivia about how the names of places in chennai came about and we're also trying to work on heritage education we don't we haven't fully uh, formalized or formulated that yet but about introducing heritage awareness and heritage education as a model maybe at a school level or if not at least come to us and we'll do a workshop on it so we're still figuring out all of these things actually so this uh, gets me really excited because my house is my old house is in mailapur so i feel like you oh. might have just uh, captured it so that like really excites me and 
one of the points that you all mentioned which i really liked is that there are um, repeat um, participants who come for these walks so that's really nice actually i was telling janesh as well earlier that my mom goes on these heritage walks a lot so she really enjoys these and for oh, me okay. like, yeah whenever she's shown me photos something i distinctly notice is that at least in the walks she goes in there are significantly larger number of uh, older people who do participate whereas i don't see too many say uh, young folks even people like say people of my age our age for example don't really i've not seen too many so for me it's also i'm curious to understand how do you all keep the engagement going not just with the youth that is always important because they are going to be the future of preserving our history but generally the audience as well how do you all ensure engagement of participants yeah i think one thing that uh, uh, we've been doing and uh, i think social media has a huge part to play in just the way we are talking about uh, you know heritage through madras and heritage definitely i think uh, that's uh, something that uh, uh, what it's created as a result is a very diverse uh, you know demographic of people that are interested in heritage because it's not just uh, social media we we spend a lot of time actually doing quite a few until well until the recent past that is a lot of our physical walks had people from a very diverse set of backgrounds there there have been people who have been living in the city for a really long time and have never walked in the city uh, yeah. you know so it's quite interesting for us also to understand you know where they're coming from and uh, what their stories are about and uh, that just that knowledge exchange for us is a constantly uh, inspiring thing and uh, we get so much information from people that actually come on these walks a lot of them tell us you know you should go to this area there's this one particular building so these little stories uh, is what keeps us excited at the end of you know every walk because it's almost something that uh, happens by default now they 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 all want to kind of share what little they uh, all know and you know uh, uh, th- there's this collective that i can see happening and we're also consciously engaging with the communities that we uh, work with the, the places that we go to develop our walks uh, uh, in and around so uh, i think that's a very very important uh, aspect of it uh, so in, in such a way that they understand that our goal here is not to museumize uh you know these houses or heritage in general it is really about having a conscious conversation that that's healthy it's about bringing awareness to these amazing buildings when and why i harp about amazing is we don't have the skill knowledge or technology to actually build such well uh, uh, constructed uh, you know uh, homes that Uh, that are there uh, honestly they've stood the test of time they've they've stood the floods they've stood the cyclone they've stood all of it and the only reasons many of them are being demolished is because either there's nobody to care for them or uh, it's in a state of disrepair which needs a certain knowledge and so we are also working greatly with artisans and craftspersons to build a network of people that can actually do something about these buildings and i think why for us this initiative is so important is until then as a, uh, as architects janesh will tell you i mean we brag a lot about you know okay understanding context and diving into a particular site and so on but uh, when we started house of mailapur it was a big slap in my face uh, if i can say that as to you know how much is out there and how little as say architects especially do we really you know immerse ourselves into context and engage 
with the context. So I think that is uh, uh, for me the most rewarding experience of being uh, you, you you know a co-founder of Madras Inherited, which is that we're constantly engaging with uh, with context that we are not necessarily familiar with, and as a result, we're all collectively learning. And now through you know our brand, we're able to give back. For instance, the souvenirs that you see in front of you here they they're doing very well we had a calendar that sold really really well in the beginning of this particular year so we're finding other ways to also monetize certain aspects of it such that our research and our development can continue i think that's and- that's that's very smart because uh, unless you have these small things that are uh, i mean uh, let's just face it like you 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 do not want to museumize or or glorify these uh, buildings um uh, but at the same time there are some aspects that need to be highlighted very much like like these yeah. kind of things that artisans have done uh, if you convert them into souvenirs it sort of uh, puts a, a time stamp in your head for someone who is young who understands and sees what it is and and tomorrow they might look at it and see like see something in it see see the work behind it or the work workmanship behind it yeah yep. absolutely and, uh, and i think one more way that we keep our audience engaged to uh, answer your question shruti is um even though we are architects and yes we are talking about madras inherited the reason we call it madras inherited is uh, see houses of mylapore is a very specific handle right it, co- it talks about houses of mylapore so uh, the reason we wanted to call it madras inherited is because it it encompasses everything it's your built uh, heritage it's your craftsmanship it's your food it's how words came about uh, all of the stories that uh, are weaved together to you know make madras what it is today and i think that's one way we've consciously tried to not restrict our audience only to speaking about built heritage let's talk about food let's talk about origin stories let's talk about you know all of those things so because different people react to different things right and we don't want our audience to be only archi- uh, architects or people who are interested in architecture to come to our uh, walks or come to our page and say hey let me learn something here i think uh, the conscious decision of having all of these facets in talking about our culture and our heritage is uh, also a key element in keeping our audience engaged and janesh in continuation to your uh, question actually about uh, the uh, the book on sitpur so to clarify i had uh, little to do with that book in the sense that my my role was predominantly visual okay the all of the phenomenal writing and uh, all of that okay. credit and all of the research all that credit goes to my dad okay. and uh, 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 although i will say that that's definitely where i found a certain love towards you, you know heritage and uh, vernacular architecture and so on because uh, we are still uh, very fortunate to have an ancestral home there uh, every time i go there i, I don't know it just like really uh, it's quite an emotional uh thing to actually uh go to that house and uh, see how everything just works magically you know it it's uh, and i'm constantly comparing it to the way we are building stuff today and uh, again i'm going back to polymifying a little bit uh, every once in a while with my 
with Anu and my dad, but uh, that's a little bit about the, the book. So what we're trying to do in Sitpur, and if those of you who are listening in and haven't heard of this place, Google it immediately. It's S-I-D-H-P-U-R. Uh, it is one of the most fascinating uh, towns that you will find in terms of its architecture because uh, there is no other and culture, as well. <laughs> and culture as well. I meant. Nice. I mean, I, 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 I really enjoy how you guys have sort of um, not stuck with just architecture and how you guys are so also, um, I won't say like you guys are activists, but then you guys are so, uh, you guys have brought this whole in Madras inherited thing to, to, to the limelight that I see so many people from different backgrounds coming in and, and coming for these walks. I remember the first time that I came, which was in Mailapur, which was very, very long back. And even at that point of time, you guys took me to this um, one place where you get rose milk. And now, yeah, even yeah. now, when I cross that place, I still remember that. And I would have never thought of it now, right? Like if I didn't do that, I would have never thought of it. Um but that's super important because like so many people from different backgrounds can also connect to it. And uh, it sort of makes people not forget about their heritage. Thank you for tuning in to part one of our episode with Tahir and Anu. You can check out the full video version of the same episode on our YouTube channel, 30 Minute Hustle. For now, this is me, Janesh, and my co-host, Shruti, signing off. Do follow us on Instagram for all the latest updates.